Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Martin Bayfield, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. Following the latest round of Champions Cup action, Brian O'Driscoll, Ben Kay and Austin Ely were in the studio to discuss all the major talking points from the quarterfinals. England Women's World Cup winner Maggie Alfonsi also joined us to tell us about her work with Restart Rugby. Brian, Wasps have a team now that can play right to the end of a game and provide that amazing drama because of the personnel they've got. When you've got someone like Piatau, the game is never over. Well, they started in Europe like that against my old club, Leinster, and they've been fantastic since. And even since the new year in the Premiership, they've been immense. But, you know, you just sense that Exeter were one score away from putting them away. But if you don't get those two scores, three scores ahead, they always have the firepower to be able to claw their way back into the game. They scored some scintillating tries. And, you know, you couldn't have asked for a more dramatic uh, first quarter final of, of the weekend. It started things so wonderfully. Apologies to Exeter Chiefs fans, but Austin, I mean, really, this is pure class. Well, I was watching at home, and it's ve- I was thinking to myself, it's very rare you get to see. This is like a one in ten games that you'll see in your entire life. It had absolutely everything. Physicality, injuries, great pieces of skill, an amazing comeback. I mean, they looked like they were out on their feet, most of the players. And a break from the dead ball line within sort of inches of losing the game. And that's what these quarterfinals came down to at the weekend. They came down to literally two or three inches going one way or the other. Yeah, it was remarkable. And, uh, of course, the try from Piatau didn't give Wasps the lead. It gave them the chance. It was that kick from Jimmy Gopeth. This is what he had to say about it. When you're a goal kicker, there are the moments you just got a nail, and uh, you know I've had a few, a few, but none as big as this. And I don't think I've ever celebrated like that after a kick. And fair bay to the Chiefs, they they really put us under pressure, and you know we're sloppy at times, but yeah, I think it's the character of this group to dig deep, and the impact players that came off the bench really gave us a boost. You know Thomas Young's outstanding, giving us go for ball, and geez, what a nail biter, eh? Well, it was a nail-biter. Exeter Chiefs more than played their part in that, Ben. I mean, they're going to be gutted, of course, but we're seeing the evolution, the continued evolution of this Exeter side. Yeah, and what's even more unbelievable is often when teams get out to a big lead like they did, you know, they, they ease off and they go out not to lose the game and not concede any points. They didn't do that. They kept doing what they'd got them into, into the lead. And, you know, Thomas Waldrum, again, he's now the top, uh, joint top try scorer in, in the um, European competition and the Aviva Premiership. 
and what a game he had. But, but they all did, and, and that, I think that's what will make it even more galling. And as you said before, it's those game breakers that even when Wasps aren't dominating, they can just pull out uh, a score from nowhere. And that's why I think they will be the team that no one wants to meet in knockout rugby, because it's not dependent on them playing well as a team for them to win the game. They didn't play brilliantly in that game or game. But when it matters, they've got people that can change uh, the result. Right, there was a moment in that game, wasn't there, where you thought, well, Exeter are going to score a try and they're going to put the game beyond Wasps. A crucial moment, a crucial turnover. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was Thomas Young that managed to, to steal it. But you just wonder, you get the sense that if Exeter had just got back in the pocket, they're a team that haven't been in this position very often. If they've gone back in the pocket, that would have been 15-point differential between the two. I think the game would have been beyond Wasps. But a brilliant turnover uh, from Thomas uh, Young. Uh, he had an exceptional half an hour when he came on for James Haskell. And, and you know, it, it was kind of the looseness that you, you probably have, become, have come to associate a small a small bit with Wasps. But, you know, it looked as though foot was almost on the dead ball line and we're going, we're talking 110 metres nearly here. Elliot Daly's pure, pure out-and-out gas and they broke up the right-hand side and it, it was just the, 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 the way they managed to uh, control the phases thereafter, uh, stay in field and, and recycle the ball that led again to that man Young who had no right to get beyond you know, four defenders and get the ball out of the contact. And that's what he's been brilliant at the last three, four weeks and led to that great Frank Halai try. And even the fact he managed to get in under the sticks a little bit more was, was tremendous, made the kick that bit easier. We talk about the gulf between Super Rugby and European Rugby. Well, that isn't the gulf. That is what we see in Super Rugby. That's what we want to see in the Northern Hemisphere. And, and you know, it's the best, sometimes it's the best time to attack because the opposition aren't expecting it. Yes, they've got a turnover, but even so, you know, they, they'll have people back defending. And, and you can get more easy metres. And as soon as the, the field opens up, they'll tear you apart, Wasp, with who they've got. What about Thomas Young, Austin? Because we've seen him in, in such good form, in for James Haskell when he was away on Six Nations duty. Haskell started, but the game shifted when Thomas Young came back on. Well, if he was my son, I'd pick him. Um, <laughs> I think he's, <laughs> he was an absolute nuisance when he came on at the breakdown carrying every time he had the ball he either beat the first defender or made ground and uh, and that's what you need you need impact wasps have got almost an embarrassment of riches in that back row now and it's going to be very difficult for die uh, to pick the right balance in the in the semi-final moving forward and for the rest of the season actually I just think he, he looks like a very good balanced player, a bit of a mixture of Tipperick and Warburton, if you like, and a bit of Lydia in there as well. He's physically very, very strong, and undoubtedly, I think the Wales Online and the Western Mail suggested that he could be going on the tour in the summer. Okay, so time for us now to see some more European action as we look back at the second All-English quarter-final. Two teams that have absolutely dominated domestically in recent years but desperate to win the big European prizes. Northampton Saints travel to the Allianz to face Premiership champion Saracens. So as it wasn't a classic like we experienced at the Rico earlier that day and Saracens probably, well... Definitely, they weren't at their best, but they still found a way to win like champions do, I guess, and good teams do. Yeah, well, the first 40, they made uncharacteristic mistakes. There was knock-ons, penalties, silly yellow cards, which you don't really see them do. They don't give the opposition an opportunity to find their feet in the game. We saw with Northampton a few years ago really start very well down there at Allianz Park, and it was a similar equation again. They came out Northampton, played some really good rugby, and actually showed a bit of a blueprint about how to beat Saracens. If you can beat them over the gain line around Brad Barrett's area, around the 12, and get in behind, them. and it's the same with most teams and then execute a blindside attack with numbers you tend to get in behind them quite quickly and, and Northampton did that 
half time came, uh, Saracens regrouped, and then we saw why they are still the favourites. They're so strong, they're collectively knitted together very, very well, both in terms of their attack, their structure, and their defence. Their line speed re regained, they came forward together, and, uh, and they scored some really, really good tries. I mean, Austin touched upon it there, Brian. We have to congratulate Northampton as well because they're absolutely decimated with injury at the moment, and they did show so much character, especially in that first half. Yeah, well, it's European quarter-final. You don't expect a side irrespective of the form books or who everyone thinks is going to win the game for a side to lie down. And you fought so hard to get yourself into a position that the group stages are so difficult to get out of. And even with Hartley and Dixon and Wood all gone, I think there were still some big performances from a few individuals. I thought Harrison was excellent at number eight. Um, they're going to need that team spirit if they're going to find themselves into the quarterfinal of, or the, the, the knockout stages of the Premiership because it's up against them and Europe's over for another year. I think one of the things, if you go into a game missing key players, three players with concussion who are vital to the game, you know, you've got Dylan Hartley, their captain, you've got Dixon in terms of the speed around the base, you've also got Kieran Brooks, uh, you know, you think that everything has to go right in the game, or not everything, but you, want, you don't want to make any mistakes because you, you think you're only going to get a certain number of opportunities. That's exactly what happened. Is it maybe kind of Champions Cup experience as well? Because they've been in the knockout stages so many times in recent years. Did that get them through? They, they know when to take their opportunities and, and to stop others taking theirs? I think undoubtedly they've learned from being the bridesmaid on so many occasions. Um, I, I just I agree with what Brian says, though. When, when you get to the quarterfinal stage, it's almost like the season starts again, particularly for the big players. You know, you're returning international. Uh, the squad players have driven the side on to get to that point. But when the big stars, the big internationals get back, it's like, right, this is where the season starts. Now, everything that went before got us to this point. And you sense that with Saracens. You sense that they've got a bit more to give. They looked a bit tired in the first half, but then they came out and, and they, they performed with some real, actually, some real good class and control. Just one last thing. I, I think their nemesis in Toulon are out of the competition now. They've lost at semi-final and final to them, so they'll be delighted to have seen them go. And now, you know, I don't think there's anyone in the competition they'll fear. Favourites? For me, yeah, I just think they've been consistent throughout the season. And, you know, once they got that uh, monkey off their back with, you know, being unbeaten um, up, at, up to Christmas time, I think they're going to go from strength to strength for the rest of the season. Now, Leicester Tigers, they took on Stade Francais. The two of them had met twice already in the pool stages, each one winning their home leg. The Tigers welcomed the French champions to Welford Road, hoping that that trend would continue. Brian, interesting, very big similarities between them and Wasps. New personnel in first season. They've settled in instantly. Beetham, Vianney. Let's focus initially on Beetham. He got man of the match. He was sensational. Yeah, he's been really good the last few weeks. Um, I saw him last week against Gloucester. I think he might have, or arguably, could have been man of the match as well. Uh, he just has lots to his game. I think he's the perfect foil for Manu as well. Just being clever, getting into the defensive line on that occasion. That one, I think, led to the first score. He's, he's got this raw pace and understanding, like trying to isolate the bigger defenders, suck, suck, suck them in, and then give it to players in space. Um, and he's still got the passing game too, an aspect that I wasn't really sure he had up to the weekend. So he does look as though he's got the full complement. He looks as though he's really enjoying his rugby with Leicester. He's bought into, into what's expected of you in, in a Leicester jersey. Uh, and he's meant to be a, you know, a great, fun person. So he's got a lovely balance to his all-round demeanour as well as his playing game. Awesome. I, I interviewed him and uh, Tilly Savianu a couple of weeks ago, and they are like a double act. They were absolutely hilarious. Sadly, we couldn't use half of the things they said, but they were brilliant. And, and Vianu, again, I mean, the, if, if Beetham isn't destroying you, Vianu steps in. 
Yeah, I think that if you, and we've been critical over Leicester over the previous two years, both myself and Ben. It's you know it's a difficult role when you're a commentator commentating on your old, old team and a pundit. But the thing that they've lacked in the last two seasons really is the X factor. They haven't had players. I mean, they've had Gonover who's brought it out the bag every now and then, but they haven't had more than one. Now they have. They've got, uh, like you said, Beetham, Viano, and Gonover in that backline that makes something out of nothing. Tate didn't do too bad either himself, and you add into the mix. But his footwork is absolutely sensational, offloading game. He very rarely doesn't beat the first defender. And the space he created himself for, for himself and for others was one of the reasons why Leicester consistently got over the game line, but also capitalised when they did go over the game line. And the try that he scored, you, this is one of the best pieces of skill you will ever see. To hitch kick mid-air and catch the ball is very, very difficult. This angle shows it better. He hitch kicks as he's catching on a sliding pass. Very, very difficult skill to perform. Even the best outside centres in the world have struggled with that on numerous occasions. And you can't talk about Leicester Tigers without talking about their forwards as well. Don Barrow, I mean, 21 tackles, Ben. This yeah. guy is really, really well, impressive. His work rate has never been in doubt. Where he struggled a little bit, well, that's a bit harsh, he's got man of the match a couple of times, but occasionally he's given away a few penalties for Leicester this season. He'd completely stamped that out of his game uh, this weekend and, and, and was superb. And, Brian, what about Stad? I mean... We can't really these days keep going on about the French don't travel well because they have up their game in Europe and uh, in other competitions. But on Saturday, we saw the old French approach. They just gave up, didn't they? Yeah, they did, I think. Um, you know, from early on, they gave away some very soft scores and I think they started getting on the wrong side of the referee. And Nigel Owens, you know, wants to play with you, wants to uh, have an open game and he wants good conversation, both captains. But um, I, just, I just think, you know, it started going from bad to worse with them and they never really really got going and no one anticipated kind of uh, the near cricket scoreline that it ended up being. I had them down as potential winners early on, you know, through the group stages. What do you know? <laughs> One of the problems with them, though, is that they won the top 14 last year, but they won from a long way back. They, they qualified far down the table, and then they got that flow at the end, and they completely lost their flow. There's, you can see they're hesitant in attack, they're hesitant in defence, and that, what happens is Parise then comes in and tries to do it all himself, whereas last year when they won it, Parise was the offloader in the wide channels. He's now in around the breakdown where you can actually control it. Yeah, there was, just, there was some impressive Gallic shrugging going on by the French towards the end. players on the show over the years and our next guest is right up there having won seven Six Nation titles, six Grand Slams oh, and a World Cup. This next lady has pretty much done it all. She's been Sunday Times Sportswoman of the Year and pipped Richie McCaw no less to win the Pat Marshall Award in the Rugby Union Rugby Writers Club. Who am I talking about? Who else would it be? Maggie Alfonsi. <laughs> before so welcome back yes. um, we've seen you a lot though recently and we're doing a lot of punditry work uh, you seem to have taken to that really well are you enjoying it yeah i really am it's been it's been good it's, it's very strange going from being a player yeah. and, and you know taking part on the field then to going all of a sudden in front of the camera and talking about the sport that you love but yeah i've enjoyed it good you're enjoying the transition as well i have yeah it's, it's it's not been easy i can't lie to you but um i think i've been very lucky to have people around me like your ben Kays, your lawrence yeah. Delios, and they've, uh, they've helped me through that transition but um i've enjoyed the challenge good and last time we spoke to you as well, you, you were busy still keeping fit, 
still working out yes. uh, with a potential Rio 2016 appearance. Yeah, is that, that still ongoing or slightly changed? Um, <laughs> I was trying to get to Rio to be a shop put thrower. Right. Um, I came to the realization after a year that the players or the athletes are a lot bigger and slightly taller than me. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I really enjoyed it, but it wasn't the sport for me. Uh, and I felt like coming back to rugby is where, I, where my home is really. And uh, like I said, I've enjoyed doing the broadcasting thing more. Fantastic. Right. So you're here to talk about uh, Restart Rugby Charity. Tell yes. us a little bit about it. What is it exactly? Who is Restart Rugby? Yeah, so uh, Restart Rugby is basically the official charity of the Rugby Player Association. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the player's charity and it aims to help players through grassroots through to the professional game. So providing emotional support, uh, practical support and financial support. So helping those players when they're struggling through difficult times. So has it, has it helped you? I mean, what has it done for you as an individual? Yeah, massively. So, you know, through being a player, I, I always worked still and played rugby, but I needed support and you know, what was life going to be like after playing rugby? Mm. So for me, I always had that career transition support. So I had a, an advisor who'd work with me, give me advice on how to use my skills appropriately in the real world. Uh, and that's why I've transitioned from being a project manager initially to, to now being a uh, broadcaster. So I thoroughly have enjoyed that change, but I've needed the help through, you know, Restart Rugby. And the feedback that you're getting from, from players, and they're obviously finding it worthwhile and a help for them to make that transition. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of players, that Restart Rugby is very important because it helps them through not just the career transition, but also through you know, medical treatment, um, support whether they need it at home, uh, and also counselling and qualifications should they need that when they leave rugby. So for a lot of players, it's vital and important. And it's Restart Rugby Weekend in the Premiership this weekend. Yes. So what can we expect from that? Well, yes, so Restart Weekend, 15th to 17th of April. Uh, what you're going to see is all the Premiership players wearing this Restart T-shirt. Uh, and the aim is to kind of raise the profile of the charity, but also raise money and funds for the charity so it's quite a big weekend you should see all the players wearing it uh, and where possible we want people to go out there and try and raise money for the charity we're hoping to raise £25,000 so it's hugely important that lots of people donate Fantastic. And you're going to be with us this weekend as well, aren't you? I am. At Wembley. Yeah, Saracens Queens game. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. Again, you know, yeah, testing out my skills and talking about the game that I love. Well, we're going to look back again at those amazing games from Europe. A remarkable weekend of quarterfinal action was rounded off at the Stade Yves du Manoir in a battle of the French big spenders. Toulon, the reigning champions, faced Racing 92, a side intent on stealing their crown. Well, we, we've sort of come to this stage now where we introduce Racing 92's Dan Carter's Racing 92 for this season. But Dan Carter, um, Ben, was, was injured for most of that game. An injury, you get the feeling, in most other games, he would be taken off the field. He didn't kick, but they left him on. Is he that important? Yeah, I think, I think he's a bit like a Johnny Wilkinson figure to Toulon when he was there and, and just that, what he brings from the players around them, that respect he's got, and probably a little bit of respect from the opposition. Um, you know, the big loss for them was losing him as the goal kicker, although he was very quick to point out afterwards that um, Machineau is usually an 85% kicker, but he missed three out of six. They couldn't go to uh, Carter to, to, to correct that because of his knee injury. So um, that's an issue for them, and probably how quickly he recovers will be huge and have a huge bearing on, on the semi-final. Austin, what of Toulon? Um, we've seen them in a, a little bit of a steady decline through the season. They haven't been as, as dominant as they have in, pre in recent years. Was it a surprise they couldn't win this one? No, I don't think so. We all know that French sides don't particularly play, play well away from home against other French sides. It's slightly different. They'd been there previously and beat them, I think, by one point. They just didn't take their opportunities. They had loads of chances to finish tries. But I, I think Toulon this year have had a lot more injuries than people give them credit for. 
Uh, Gitto's been out for a long period of time. He's been away. They've lost a number of their stars, uh, obviously, to the World Cup. And then they come back and they're, they're just trying to learn how to knit with each other. It's, uh, I don't mean knit as in, you know, pearl one, miss one. I mean, as you know, come good together as a team. Justin, good knowledge. <laughs> well, you get a lot of time off with this job, babes, and uh, you have to make your own clothes when you're my size. Um, but I, I, I think you can tell that they made uncharacteristical errors where we wouldn't expect them to give away a penalty like that at the end of the game. And they were so good at winning tight games, and that's what made them triple champions, that they could win quarters and semis by one point and hold a one-point lead for 20 minutes and really deliver a final result. And, and that's the difference. Brian, instead it was Racing who held out. They were the ones who got the lead right at the end and, and they held out. Um, old mucker of yours is in charge of that. Yeah, there's a certain irony to, to Ron O'Gara being their new defensive coach, skilled coach, uh, defensive coach. I don't know how that one worked out, but um, he's, obviously, he's obviously done a great job. I think they look very organised. He talked a lot. I spoke to him earlier and he's talked a lot in the papers about about developing a culture because this is alien to them. Knockout rugby is, is, is not where they've been for many, many years. And they put together this, you know, this huge collective of fantastic players and there are you know, incredible names throughout the team. Uh, but they've now got them defending and playing a lovely brand and potentially cup winning brand. the Challenge Cup. Some good teams battling it out in some good matchups this weekend, all with one thing on their mind, making it to the final, winning a place in next season's Champions Cup, of course. It finished on Saturday night as Connacht travelled to Grenoble and Quinns welcomed London Irish, but it all kicked off on Friday evening at the AJ Bell as visitors Montpellier looked to turn the Sharks over on their own patch. There was so much to admire in that performance against big spending Montpellier, and they will be reflecting maybe at what could have been. Yeah, look, it was a it was a brave performance, and and had they been slightly more disciplined, they might have been all right. But I think just the fact that they they were pretty comprehensively beaten up front, and Bismarck Duplessis as well, outstanding game for them. Some of the Sale players played incredibly well. Thought uh, T.J. Yuani was, was uh, particularly good, but they they once you go on that back foot, then you're constantly going to give away penalties, and when you've got uh, Payu kicking six out of six early on, it's just impossible to, to keep that scoreboard ticking over enough from, from your perspective. They did it very well, great score at the end, really good bit of individual skill, uh, and they'll take a lot of heart out of it, but you, know, you could well be seeing Montpellier win the, uh, the, the top 14 this year. I think, think they're that good. OK, let's move on then to uh, Grenoble and Connacht, uh, Brian. Uh, Connacht have been fantastic in the Pro 12. They play some great rugby, and we saw it again from them this weekend. And they left a 19-3 lead slip. They'll be kicking themselves. They really will be kicking themselves. They've been the informed province, definitely, probably the least known of the, of the four provinces with, um, with the least amount of European pedigree. But, uh, like you said, their brand this year has been absolutely brilliant to watch. I think Pat Lamb has come in. He's talked about a, a three- or a four-year plan. I think he's in the third year of, of, uh, of five years. But Jonathan Wisniewski, he you know, knocked over a drop goal with five minutes to go. They got, an got themselves an opportunity of getting back in the game. They'll be bitterly disappointed, but full focus onto the Pro 12 now. I think they're in second position, and they'll be backing themselves. They've got lots of confidence. I think we can say that it was a surprise win at King Somos on uh, Dragons against Gloucester because the Dragons have been having a terrible time in the Pro 12. We had their captain, Rhys Thomas, this week apologising for their performances and then they go to King Somos and they beat Gloucester. 
Let's just, if you take, yeah, I think Gloucester will be kicking themselves, as will Sale. It's a bit of a route into the Champions Cup next year and the opportunity to really push forward. It's going to be impossible now for Gloucester to get there, you'd think, into the top six. Not mathematically, but in theory, I don't think we'll see them. And again, same as Sale, they just made way too many mistakes at crucial times and got pushed back down the field, lost a lot of the territorial battle. And uh, there'll be uh, a few harsh words spoken around the defensive patterns in, in the meetings today. And there we were on Saturday night thinking the London Irish were going to go to the stoop and Harlequins were going to run away with it. It so wasn't like that, was it? It was a weekend of comebacks, wasn't yeah. it, in the, in the Champions <laughs> Cup as well? And uh, I, I just think that... Uh, the way that Danny Kerr stole his hat-trick was a disgrace, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. It was uh, a good comeback from Quinns. I'm sure the forwards gave him plenty of stick for the way he got his third try by just getting on the back of that scrum and just pilfering the ball off the forwards for a one-centimetre, one actually, try. <laughs> but I'm sure London Irish will take a lot of confidence from their performance and, and they'll need that confidence this weekend, Martin, as we return to Premiership action. We certainly do big, big games, round 20, crucial games at the top and at the bottom and in the middle, to be perfectly honest. We've got four live games for you. We start at uh, Kingsholm on Friday night. Gloucester taking on Exeter Chiefs. Gloucester looking to put the brakes on the season that's slipping away from them a little bit. How much gas will Exeter Chiefs have in the tank after their exertions from the weekend? Worcester Warriors, well, they're safe in the Premiership, but they'll want to finish with some good games. They take on Wasps, who are on an absolute high right now. And then we are at Wembley. The first of our two games on Saturday, Saracens taking on Harlequins. And that one, crucial games for both. Harlequins looking to confirm a place in the top six, possibly sneak into the top four. And then we've got two huge games. The first one really is the East Midlands derby. Leicester Tigers going to, Welford, uh, to Franklin's Gardens take on Northampton Saints. The battle for the top four. Their advantage currently with Leicester Tigers. Sale Sharks, they take on Bath. Bath looking for an important win. And then our other big game, Newcastle Falcons taking on London Irish. The battle at the bottom of the Premiership. Can London Irish get that crucial victory and keep their season alive? You get the feeling if they lose that one, it's all over for them. OK, guys, let's um, start by talking about uh, Saints-Tigers uh, then. Um, fair to say if Saints lose this one, it's going to be pretty difficult for them to get to the top four? I think if they lose, it's impossible to get to the top four looking at the running games. Not impossible, again, not mathematically, not mathematically but in no. theory. I, I think Leicester can afford just to get one point and still finish ahead. Even if uh, Saints go on to win their remaining games, I think it will end up with Saints on 65 points. If they do that, they get a four and a one. Uh, Saints would finish on 65, Leicester on 66. You'd expect Leicester, last game of the season, to go to Bath, knowing that they need five points to qualify in fourth and get five points. Mm. And given Saints' injury list, Ben, is it, is it going to be tough for them, Jim? It's huge. I think Jim Allen just said today, or yesterday, they didn't know how many would be back in time. He's going to have to see. But uh, it, it's a huge ask, particularly to back up a physical game against Saracens, mm. to play Saracens and then Leicester when you haven't got enough bodies to be able to rejuvenate the side by bringing people in will be very tough for them, but they're at home. Yeah. Austin, a Sunday game. Newcastle Falcons against London Irish. This is an absolute... This is the last chance, is it not, for London Irish? Well, if they lose, it is, absolutely. If they win, there's still a chance for Newcastle to pull themselves out because I think Newcastle have got a slightly easier run in. I can see Newcastle picking up at least one point from their remaining games, and that, that might actually be enough. So if they do that, then it comes down to, I think, uh, Irish will struggle, could potentially beat Harlequins at home. But that aside, it, it's, it's a tough run in for both teams. And I say Tom Comtree would have a selection dilemma on his hand as well, given the performances of some of the youngsters maybe this weekend, do you think? Yeah, it's going to be tough for them. But could the, the main problem be they're just 
all through the season. They haven't been picking up bonus points. Yeah, Newcastle have. You know, the, the form's changed slightly. That you know, a few weeks ago, we were almost writing off London Irish completely because their form had gone. They've been playing better. They've been scoring more points. So there is an opportunity to get those bonus points. But if you look at what they have achieved through the season, Newcastle have been much better at getting those those one points. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll be back next week. See you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.